0: You're
1: listening to... Whoa! hot
2: luck, And what is poppin', everybody? It is Thursday, April the 7th, 2022. It is episode 99. 99, damn. Ooh. did not realize next week would be such a milestone. I have no plans, so uh, we're going to have to figure some shit out, but... uh we're doing great
1: (laughs) (laughs) this is how
0: long we've been in the pandemic guys we've released 100 episodes of this podcast
2: (laughs) or we
1: will have yeah
2: my name is Marvin Yeh and joining me to talk about all the good pop that gets us through our days um, we have self-proclaimed professional Asian American Jess Jew what up hey Jess and also professional culture editor Han Nguyen hey 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 on this episode of the Good Pop Culture Club, we're talking about the second season of Bridgerton, which is playing out on Netflix. Um, but before we get to that, let's find out what pop culture is beginning through the week. Uh, Jess, what is popping?
0: I have been listening pretty nonstop to the new Charlie XCX album, Crash. Mm. It's great. Um, I'm a big fan of hers. If you like that, like, I don't even know how you classify it. It's like pop but like synthy and like you probably should be on a little bit of ketamine to really get the most out of it. Um though I I, I wouldn't know what that's like. Um uh, but yeah it's really good. She has some really good features. Caroline Polachek who is are you guys on gay TikTok, lesbian TikTok, bisexual TikTok, or straight people on lesbian bisexual TikTok?
2: Um I am on um book talk. And yes. maybe actually not TikTok at all. I'm on book Twitter. And also like oh my Asian God. On not
1: even a talk.
2: I'm not even on talk. <laughs> I'm not talking at all. Okay. Sorry.
0: Well, well, like, it's like the ultimate, like, uh, it was like the hot lesbian yearning song of Carolyn Polachek. Mm. So hot, you're hurting my feelings. So she has a feature on that. Uh, there's a feature with Arena Sawayama. Sawayama. Yes. Am I saying that right now? So it's like, it's like a very fun dancey album, but like also very like. Edgy-ish. Uh, and I don't know if you guys knew this. I feel like people discover this like once every few years. Like they rediscover that Pete once is biracial. Uh, mm-hmm. But Charlie XCX is also Asian. Mm-hmm. Uh, her mother is from a Gujarati Indian family from Uganda. Uh-huh. So she is one of us. And uh, we claim her. <laughs> and she's like very like it's just hot girl energy it's like hot girl energy different in the way that like meg the stallion is hot girl energy but yeah very very good album highly would check it out if you like dua lipa if you like um her old stuff if you like like british trancey pop like you know that kind of style check it out it's called crash available on spotify or like apple music if you have no friends (laughs) and
2: yeah awesome all right, Han, What's poppin'? quite a few things are popping with you.
1: Yeah, and by popping, it means that I just consumed it. Whether or not I thought it popped is a different story. <laughs> um, so, you know, as part of my job, I have to, like, watch a lot of TV and consume other things. And then I also try to watch things that are, like, totally I can unplug. Uh, so I watched uh, the full season of Killing Eve. The finale will be coming out right after this episode uh, airs. And so, like, Sunday... And uh, so I won't really go into what I saw there because I don't I think it's spoilery. No matter what I say about it, it's going to spoil something. Um, But uh, so I spent my Sunday watching catching up on all the episodes there to detox, I guess. (laughs) I watched. Detox. Does
2: that mean it's not
1: good? Well, I just there are certain things I need to turn off my brain with when I watch TV Mm. and when you're watching for work, it's a different sort of engagement. Mm. So I watched a Hallmark movie and it actually wasn't horrible because it had Santino Fontana, who I adore. Um, he's a Broadway guy, but he also was on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. He was and Greg, was, right? He was the he's better, so he was the good Greg. Like yes. Not not to say anything about second Greg, he's he's fine as an actor, but he just wasn't Greg to me.
2: Right, because they replaced him yes. later With on, because right?
0: Because <laughs> yeah. Fontino Santana was
2: too busy like doing Broadway shit.
1: Well, he came back to TV because he's been on Maisel, and now he's been on this Hallmark movie. Uh, He's also Bad
2: Prince from uh, Frozen.
1: Yes, and he (laughs) sings in this film. He's literally a lounge singer, and it's great just to hear him sing uh, show tunes, basically because they don't have to pay for those. He's got a good voice. I mean, I remember him. He has an amazing voice. Mm -hmm. Like. His, 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 uh, on Crazy Girlfriend, his, uh, it was a shit show is still my favorite romantic song. <laughs> <laughs> so good. It's so good. And so here it's kind of like, I didn't really care about the plot, but the plot's actually kind of amusing. Has to do with like his mom and another woman's mom, like trying to hook him up. And so it's kind of ridiculous. And he's Italian and she's kind of like Latinx slash Jewish. And so they're very New York. Um, so <clears throat> it's cute. Yeah. Uh, so that one actually, honestly, I would, almost kind of recommend called Just One Kiss. Uh then for a little bit of whiplash, I watched the first episode of 61st Street, it's the new AMC series coming on, I think after the Killing Eve finale in fact. And uh it is all about cops in Chicago and people and murder and it was that first episode is a doozy. Um I cannot say whether or not it's good yet just because I have to, <laughs> I, have to I have to watch more. It just it was just so shocking, even though I think I've already seen the episode during press tour. But while I was watching it again, I was just like cringing and I was like, oh, I shouldn't have watched that before bedtime. Um, oh. And the very yeah. And the very last thing I watched was the first half of Ken Burns's Benjamin Franklin.
0: <laughs> oh, God. The sexiest (laughs) of all founding fathers,
1: kind of actually
0: is. I mean, I'm not. I'm only half kidding. He, that guy, fucked. Yeah, he he was a
1: womanizer. Sexy. Well, he was before a certain age because he actually was kind of a burly dude. He was. He worked in the printing press, you know, and you had to be able to move type. And well, um, then his
2: brain became sexy, right?
1: I mean, his brain was always sexy, I guess, except for when he didn't understand that slavery was wrong. Um, but uh, And they, like,
0: found some bones in his house. That's a, yeah. We can talk. Yeah. yeah, exactly. a, yeah neither yeah. here nor so, there right now. So uh,
1: all I know is just, like, I did, I was like, should I watch the second part? I was like, this is going to be all when it's, like, it's becoming revolution and stuff like that. So I was like, Ur. Um, I mean, at least this is Ken Burns
2: s- in his lane, though, talking about other white dudes, which is. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And, yes. and we, he did bring on historians, one who is black, you know, just to get the actual balance of everything. Um, So it's definitely not like hagiography; It's definitely showing all the bad sides. But it's also something that we knew about Ben Franklin, that he's always been this incredibly imperfect person so that's why we a lot of people find him relatable (laughs) you know um even beyond the slavery let's just say because that's (laughs) a horrible thing but like yeah he fucks he uh he had these this list of 13 virtues and he kept track of like whatever he failed at and so his chart was like full of black marks because he kept (laughs) failing so he was, he was, and he was, yeah, he was actually a genius. So, you know, um, I kind of want like a
0: sexy Ben Franklin movie now, like of him moving type.
2: Yeah. And, young, like, young Franklin. The series. Like his
0: like arm, like sleeves rolled up and like ink stains
2: yeah. on,
1: on his face. <laughs> I, I, I could see that. and Yeah.
0: Cause like, about, like, did you guys ever watch that? There was like this PBS show for kids called yes. America, like, um revolutionary kids or something like that liberty liberty's kids yeah. and i think we should like reboot that but as like a sexy cw-esque riverdale thing where everyone because they were like 23 like let's yeah, be real they were all 23 and dumb that's uh, my favorite
1: type of historical figure is like the um the william shakespeare who fucks you know or <laughs> or galileo who fucks and like so yeah. many of these uh, period dramas have these historical figures that come in, but they're like the hot version of them. <laughs> so it's just yes. entertaining to see them like that. Th- though you- I
0: will say, I- uh, Isaac Newton, noted scientist, died a virgin apparently, so did not fuck.
1: Oh. Oh. Very sad. Mm. Newton had some other issues, so ma- that probably contributed to it. Anyway, so that was my uh, sort of <laughs> buffet of things that I picked and chose and... um Yeah, All of it kind of weird, but, you know, like together it doesn't really make anything. So that was (laughs) mine. Uh, So, Marvin, what's popping with you?
2: All right. So this week um, we released our book symbol, but discussion of our March book, which was Light from Uncommon Stars by Rika Aoki. I don't know if you guys have heard this book before, but here's the basic synopsis. So it's there's three storylines. The first is a music teacher um, who returns to her home in Monterey Park to find a seventh student. Um, because she needs to collect seven souls in return for a Faustian deal she'd made when she was younger, to um, to pay off her debt. Um, there is an alien family, the Trans, who run a donut shop in El Monte. They're intergalactic refugees, oh. and there is a <laughs> trans girl named Katrina Wynn who is running away from home and who is a violin prodigy. So she becomes the seventh student of the violin teacher and how these stories all coalesce, and it all takes place in the San Gabriel Valley.
0: That's a lot of things <laughs> together.
2: Yeah. Also, the violin teacher, um, who was a Japanese-American woman, falls in love with the mother of the donut shop family, and they go on lesbian dates at real-life San Gabriel Valley restaurants like Kim Ki and oh San Lu. <laughs>
0: oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> are you a Kim Ki person, or are you like a Na person, Marvin?
2: I like Kim Ki, but I like their I like their fried rice more than their their soup noodles. Hot take, yeah,
1: hot take. Sorry, hot yes. (laughs) No, I am just fascinated because like it seems like all these three plots and these all these characters are just like so all over the place. But you also throw in real life restaurants, and I was like do I need to read this and then go on the tour? the eating tour? This
2: is the description of the San Diego Valley. Like, I think a lot of times you see stories set in the SGV written by people who like think of the SGV as a concept. Um, crazy Ex-Girlfriend takes place in West Covina. Yeah. But it's the idea of West Covina, not the actual, like, kind of Sangerbo Valley. Um yeah. This book was the first story I've ever read that, written by someone who, who's probably lived in the San Gabriel Valley because, and you can tell uh, in the first chapter, she describes San Marino as boardwalk park place of the Sangerbo Valley, <laughs> which, like, is, yeah. it's so specific and it's so, almost like, the writing style is very chaotic. It bounces from point of view to uh-huh. point of view. There's, just, like, at least, like, 20 point of view characters in this book. Um, but it all works and it all comes together and it's just, it is, in a way, a a metaphor for the San Valley, which is this chaotic mishmash of a lot of different cultures and and people. But it all kind of just works together and all, and all mixes it together really well.
1: If, if I read this book, will I get the SGV better?
2: You might. Okay. You might. So that's what's popping for us. But before we get to our chat about Bridgerton, let's catch up on last week's episode of Top Chef. Which is episode, was it episode five? Episode five, six. Five, I think. Yeah. Which was the barbecue episode, which is, you know, you can't make a Texas season without barbecue. Unfortunately, we lost another Asian this week. Um, we said goodbye to Monique, who... Um, no, it's Ashley. Ashley. It was
1: Ashley. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, they were on the bottom. Joe and Monique oh, were both on the bottom. Right, right. And you you probably thought Monique was going home because her... Dish was, <laughs>
2: yeah. maybe this is how <laughs> i was just so disappointed in the asians i, I gotta say I thought, yeah
1: yeah i gotta say the two on the bottom have been on the bottom before or like been in trouble before so i didn't want to be like oh writing was on the wall but i they've disappointed me <laughs> so
2: <laughs> so yeah what did you think about the barbecue so what did you think about the switcheroo which is having the quick fire in the middle of the competition
1: that's just cruel. They're being cruel. Um, I think it made sense. It didn't really take that long. Um, but at the same time, why not just do it at the beginning? Mm. Also, like, toast? Well, it's Texas toast, which is different. Um, it's thick it's toast, thick. Hon. <laughs> But That's
2: literally what they told us. But but, but if, how,
1: what they did if, with it. Yeah, it's thick toast,
2: case. why make Milfoy, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, anything. Why not have it actually toasted? so, you know, just like if toast, why Milfoy? Yeah, exactly. If thick toast, why Milfoy? So it's like there are there when you talk about like, oh, it's easy. It's toast. Um, Apparently not for these top chefs. So the few <laughs> yeah. who made, and they, like, they wh- were wh- like, we're going to give you ten thousand dollars. if You can make us bomb ass toast. <laughs> it's like we asked for thick toast and you did thin as possible. In fact, you rolled it with a roller rolling pin to make it thinner. I'm just like, yeah, it didn't quite work. Um. What I thought was interesting was, of course, the people who were like, I'm just going to make a pizza toast. Yeah, <laughs> like, I could do that.
2: <laughs> so. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, toast in, in general is kind of like, you can do whatever. You can do a lot with it, right? Yeah, like, Toast can. has become. You like, put
1: anything on it and then you can just call it a fancy toast.
2: Yeah. There was a whole season where like, Harry, I think it was Denver, did nothing but fancy toast. Yeah, and she, she's everything. like,
0: I love toast. <laughs> that's true.
1: That, that's the thing. It's like, it's all in the execution,
2: so. I will say the person who won, Nick, who is like the, I think he's from Mississippi, right? He made yeah. probably the, the toast I would probably want to eat the most.
1: Yeah, there were there were a lot of them. I do have to say the top three. Um, Joe, see, Joe did fine there. <laughs> um, I love mushrooms so much. And so I was actually interested in her mushroom toast. But um, And then Jackson was up there again, right?
2: Jackson keeps winning uh-huh. inexplicably, even though yeah. he can't taste shit.
1: And I think he was top three also for the elimination
2: (laughs) so the elimination challenge was the barbecue challenge it was like make something with brisket barbecue is one of those cuisines where it's very much steeped in tradition a lot of people are really afraid to um, innovate on it but their challenge was to like take the barbecue take the brisket and make something new with it right and the ones who did that did really well so jackson I, I was so scared for him because mm-hmm. he like... He, I mean,
0: he was like grinding <laughs> and was like, oh, there is no going back, dude. You just, just grind <laughs> yeah. in the brisket.
1: He made... Yeah. Well,
2: it wasn't a ravioli or like a... Yeah, he
1: basically made a stuffed pasta, which, again, I totally understand because while half the challenge was the concept of the dish and highlighting brisket, the other half was actually making the brisket. So they had to smoke it right, spice it right to actually have the flavor go all the way through because... You know, after whatever hours, all the worst thing you use to have a bland brisket. Yeah. So and then he ground it up and now you lose the texture of that. And so like he he I have to give him credit because he, he must have made an excellent dish.
2: Yeah. I mean, apparently the smokiness and the, the whatever rub he used was still infused into the ground of brisket, which yeah. made it still taste like barbecue, which.
1: And he also put yeah. burnt ends on so he was able to get a little bit of that extra texture yeah. from the brisket. I don't know. It, I know but, we're
2: a firmly go Asian Top Chef podcast but I am coming around. I, I, I enjoy episodes. I yeah.
1: enjoy
0: Jackson's journey through with yes. his inability to <laughs> smell. You know, He's not annoying so it's fine. I, I yeah. feel like this... Uh, Hit this COVID has really like probably humbled him because mm-hmm. he's lacking a lot of the audacity we typically see with like the white men who enter this competition.
1: <coughs> no so <money>. yeah, and
0: <laughs> um, I'm
2: having a good time. Yeah. Um, but the winner was hometown girl Evelyn. Who, um As one of the two texas-based chefs did not disgrace her home state by making Oof, bad barbecue yeah
1: i mean i've been gunning for her for a while and i feel like she's just getting better and better um because her disastrous earlier takes on asian slash vietnamese i was like uh um and she's finally bringing it so she did very well on the asian food challenge i believe um No, it was the week after the Asian Food Challenge.
2: Yeah. I mean, definitely she is a product of Houston being like one of Mm -hmm. the most diverse like international cities in the country. Uh, And I got to say, she she made a a brisket curry, which did not sound like that great of an idea when I first heard of it.
1: Yeah, but Padma had to give her credit because she said, like, basically in all the seasons, there's never been one good curry. And this is one that she appreciated. So... I, I kind of have to agree, like, a curry is hard to make. Like, I make a crappy-ass curry, which is fine. It does the job. But I would never serve it to another person. <laughs> you <know? laughs> You're also non-top chef, so... <laughs> that, that too. But I also, you know, you know what you make well? Like, you wouldn't be embarrassed to serve, like, your friend? And, no, the curry I make is purely based on, like, some fats and then, like, a, a, a pre-made curry paste, I just use like, the blocks I
2: buy from the Mitsuwa and then put in some veggies and i would well, say that to friends because it's I fine. like
1: more indian style curry so yeah i don't usually use japanese curries mm. but um because i don't like it that sweet but you know again uh i mean i did give it to a roommate and she liked it but she, right. she's also a white girl so
2: uh, <laughs> anyway. yeah. and then on the bottom we have two asians um joe and monique and then ashley who just, I, um, I think all three of them had just problems with with major, the brisket,
1: right? Major problems because Joe. It was so funny because when she's in cutting her brisket, she's like, "I wish this was just a brisket challenge and not a, like making a dish because this is great." And then they're like, "It's bland." <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> "Yeah." Oh no. I was like, "Ooh, not a great edit." <laughs> and and even the critique that Monique got, they're like, "This is like cooking school, like yeah, uh, type of dish because she basically literally just made a brisket and put it along with her French food that she created." <laughs> <laughs> that she learned in cooking school, basically. And then I'm trying to figure out. I honestly thought Monique was going to go home. and so, I thought so,
2: too. I mean, both yeah. Monique and Ashley had issues with the brisket itself, right? The flavor mm-hmm. did not infuse yeah. into yeah. Um, the brisket, to, right?
1: Yeah, you have to almost over-season, I guess, for it to get through there. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, totally I
2: forgot it was Ashley that went home. I thought it was Monique because I thought she did really, really bad. Because like, not only was it bad. not good, it's also uninspired. Yes, But then, if I remember correctly, Ashley, Ashley tried to like kind of do a fusion on her down-home cooking, kind of like southern cooking style. Um, but uh-huh. hers was too heavy, right? That was the problem with her dish too?
1: Uh, the pieces of brisket were huge. Mm-hmm. So people couldn't just bite it. And there was no like, they were like, do I cut it? Because it was also in a stew and they're like i don't want to cut the meat in my stew because that's weird so it was just like concept and and execution it was kind of both i i do wonder like this is where i would love to hear the full conversation of the deliberations to see what tipped. because i do i agree i thought monique was going home so whatever was the really huge fault that they felt like ashley should have gone home i was i'm curious what that was (laughs)
2: So Anyways, well, we still got some Asians. Yeah.
1: they need to step it up.
2: Four out of five Asians still in the running. <laughs> um, Jackson continues his um his his winning streak. We give him his uh, with-
1: token credit. Yeah.
2: yeah. Um and yeah, looking forward to next week of Top Chef. Hopefully we can make it through again. But excited that the barbecue challenge was pr- like pretty straightforward and wasn't like really gimmicky. Right, I thought that was good for
1: yeah. sure. It yeah, it was straightforward.
2: All right, so that's what's popping for this week. We'll be back after the break to talk about love, I guess. <laughs> Hi, I'm Marvin. part of the potluck podcast collective all right welcome back to the good pop culture club on this episode we're talking about season two of bridgerton the latest season of the sexy times hit series on netflix um this time um this time adapting book two of julia quinn's acclaimed Bridgerton series, um, The Viscount Who Loved Me. Um, this time, instead of the fake relationship shenanigans of Daphne and the Duke, we have a slow burn, enemies-lovers romance between Anthony and Kate Sharma. Um, so yeah, um, Han, Jess, you both are fans of the series we're regency <laughs> readers. we're regency whores
1: so we of course we read it whether or not it was like as good as some other stuff is a different
2: story what did y'all um, yeah what did y'all think of season two of your
0: i really really liked some parts of it and i really disliked other parts of it we can get to that deeper later But overall, I did think it was a stronger episode of TV. I felt that they made some very smart... I know this is very also like kind of contentious. I think it split pretty half and half. But I thought the book was ridiculous in many, many ways. And I think the TV show was very smart to make the changes they did. And I think it made the characters more interesting... It definitely made Edwina more interesting and it made it more about the relationship between uh, sisters and like family members and that like older sibling dynamic that I think is that level of understanding that also really draws like Anthony and Kate together. Like it all really made sense and a lot of the themes came full circle in the series that. I think if you try to adapt the book as is, which you know season 1 was much more true to the book and it went off the rails, right? <laughs> like like I cannot believe they kept basically the rape in season 1 and then like didn't act like it wasn't rape. Yeah. The, and I'm just like, wait, the, what? We're going to ignore
1: that? <laughs> it's like, hey, why don't we keep all the problematic parts of the plot? <laughs> you know, And yes. even though we're building out the world and they created all this other stuff for season one. I was like, but this is the stuff you kept. So I, yeah, pretty much I have to agree. The central love, you know, romance relationship. They did a fantastic job, personally, yes. I think, um, because... Well, we can talk spoilers. I feel it's been two weeks, so that's why we waited. Um, yeah,
2: spoiler, uh, spoiler safeties are off on this discussion. So if you haven't watched the show, um, just, come back. It's a quick watch. Go, go watch some sexy times and come back with us.
1: Yeah, and so you know, I'm gonna talk about it from the book point of view too because Jess will agree with me on this. What she said was like the actual plot is ridiculous because the way they ended up getting married in the very in the book is closer to the middle of the book, or if not the earlier. Because you you remember the scene where Kate gets like a bee stung and then they start breathing heavily? Well in the book, he tries to suck out the poison. And that He like, sucks
0: her titty. So
1: he gets they get compromised, uh oh, and they need to get married. So I'm very glad several for several reasons why they didn't do that. Number one <laughs> is can we stop just compromising these women in order to get them married? We did that in season one. We didn't need to do that again. And yeah, leave that of,
2: to the scam fam, the Featheringtons. That's their storyline.
1: Yeah. And it just it kind of also takes away it takes away agency from both parties, I feel. And so that's why you get this ridiculous in the book. Oh, I'm really hot and hotly uh like, really attracted you, and we're gonna have a lot of hot sex, but you know, I can't say I love you for other reasons. There's God another reason. And then um because, you know, we were forced into this marriage. So yes. it is yeah, that was a yes, huge issue. and the
0: psychological reasoning why Anthony is so like diff like he can't he feels like he can't like fully give himself or fall in love, is because he thinks he's going to die. Because he cannot imagine a world where he outlives his father. Which, it sounds even stupider. Yeah. It's even stupider in the book than it sounds. Like, I I can't... I I don't... Like, it makes no sense. I've never met one person who was like, Oh, my father was awesome. He died at 39. Or like 30 or something. So yeah, I plan to biff it at 30.
1: (laughs) Well... So here's the thing where we can talk about the Julia Quinn-ness of it all. I think she was fantastic as far as like creating a fun family and like figuring out it was like a great concept, you know, romance for eight kids. Um, But literally, she will take like thumb through some sort of psychological disorders, pick one and then run it for 400 pages yeah, so like that, that's what you got and like and you could tell she don't know what she's talking about yeah <laughs> and and it's ridiculous the 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 things keeping them apart because while they're having sex, you know he can't say I love you so yeah apparently it is true that certain people in the past maybe I don't know if it's current uh it have a psychological sort of block where they literally can't imagine outliving their dad's age um especially if they said this happens to a lot of men um and so since the dad died at 30. Uh, Anthony is 29 in this season. They mention it very briefly, 29. Um, and so he's kind of, you know, in the book, he's like, I'm going to die. So I can't, you know, have any love relationships, even though he's in love with her. So it's just really stupid denial. So yes. in, in anyway, in the series, it's great because it's great. <laughs> not only do they not compromise him, but they use all of this fucking time to really, really do the slow burn and build that heat till it's scorching.
0: And I actually think it's
1: brilliant because because they also another change
0: they make is that they make Edwina in the series Mm -hmm. have feelings or, you know, what she perceives as feelings for Mm -hmm. Anthony. So there's this also this element of like Kate does not want to betray Mm -hmm. her sister. And in the book, Edwina could care less. She
1: has. (laughs) She, she in fact, has a uh, has a crush or like an understanding with another dude who is a clerk. And which is kind of, I think, oh. the storyline they gave to the mom to the mom, yeah,
0: yeah. So then, so then, it, you know, I think, I think, kind of building that extra tension with it, between Edwina and Kate is also was also really smart because that let them play the slow burn even after, right? Like because there are genuine yeah. feelings involved between with Edwina, um, you know, she still can't be with him just because Edwina is no longer gonna marry him like mm-hmm. that's still not cool because it's it's a, there's an emotional tie. so I actually think and you know what bit I'm a I am a sucker for a slow burn like mm-hmm. all like there's nothing better than a slow burn once a couple gets together it's boring right it, yeah, it's,
1: yeah. It's, I mean it's really depends I think I uh, honestly like they're, they did have a sex scene, but it was shot way differently from last season. <laughs> so. Yeah. I
2: mean, so before we get to that, um, yeah. my whoa, whoa, impressions whoa. as a non-Julia <laughs> Quinn reader, um, I actually like, I felt like this season was a lot more. Um, I, I do agree that the season was better than the first season, which i um, talking to other people who loved the first season. It is a. Divisive take because a lot of people Mm -hmm. thought the first season was better, Um, but I mean, even though in this season there was a lot less sex scenes, and we won't call them romance scenes because the first season did not have a lot of not romantic. Yeah, Um, this season was a lot more horny. Like so so much horny. horny.
1: You should see my literal notes. It's kind of like. They looked and that. They looked at each other, and then it's like all caps. Hot, 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 hot. And because I was like, I, I don't mean, know how to you deal. You mentioned that
2: B scene, and that was the first of many scenes where they were just like almost face touching, but not quite. Th- th-
0: there is so much sensual smelling in this show. <laughs> I like smelling has never been sexy to me before. And I was just like, I, I want a man to smell me like
1: that. <laughs> he smelled and also moved his head with the smell. It was so good. It was really- yeah. It was like, almost feral,
0: right? You, you could, you could right? feel it like his like... veins and other things bulging. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and he was just like, I'm just like, I like I need a minute. Yeah, I'm going to need a minute.
2: I mean, even, I don't think the first season had like, Horny dance scene, right? They had like kind of a. This
1: is what I wanted, right? Yeah, you know, like we, the, got the in we got it, Emma. The first scene
2: where they danced to the tune of Ooh. the music version of Robin's um, "Dancing on My Own," which I mean, the music choice. What's the What's the word for um, out of time?
0: Anachronistic. Yeah, the yeah.
2: anachronistic um, chamber music choices that I make are so like not subtle, right? They're almost oh, no. blatant in like They're their, on. Like, the,
1: they're on the nose, <laughs> and and it's great. I I enjoy it because I think that's part of the the enjoyment of this. It is almost like a meta series, you know, in some ways, because we are watching it knowing that it is a not a reality, a historical reality. Right. They definitely make choices that we know that would not have happened. And so they play with that. And as a person who uh, works to Vitamin String Quartet occasionally. (laughs) Love Vitamin String Quartet. Yeah, it's fantastic and so of course we got whole new songs and the classic song for their other second really great dance is wrecking ball
2: yeah which <laughs> yeah. looked like yeah very on the nose very very yeah on it's, the a, nose.
1: it's a i think you they that you have to do it though because it's like if you're listening and you're like i don't even know this song then it's kind of like it ends up being like a soundtrack so but uh
2: like you mentioned just the second song the wrecking ball dance scene was a lot less it was a lot less horny, right? Because they're already like kind of on the way to, to coupleness. But that first dance scene was like I haven't Oof. seen a dancing that horny since. Um,
1: I just need probably super Emma, cut. right?
2: Emma, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think
1: I think between Emma and that one, I was just like, thank you. I just need supercut <laughs> of the hot, barely touching, not even touching, sort of dancing. Um, I can't remember the, like on Netflix. There is some sort of show where they're talking about the whatever love, not love languages, but the types of love sex or whatever and one of them is like anticipation or i forgot what it was called but i was like that's it that's what's <laughs> sexy totally i get it uh it's all mental <laughs> yeah
2: so. and i just felt like the chemistry between this couple was a lot more um i mean maybe it's because there was a lot more drama because of the slow
1: burnness
2: of it but like just their they're like their banter where they actually just really want to kiss and fuck, but they have yeah. to like be mad at each other yeah
0: they're they're just like really attractive people um and very talented actors and I don't there's 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 that you know because Jonathan Bailey they say Anthony is like character written by a woman but played by a gay man mm-hmm. with characters straight and I do think you know there have been some pretty that's a good combo. Mm-hmm. Overhaul for for like the female gaze it's so good it's so good and you know they fixed his hair they mm-hmm. fixed his hair this season he looks really good i think ev- everyone looks much better like the budget the hair and makeup budget went up the the mm-hmm. makeup this season is insane i've been like looking and seeing mm-hmm. if i can afford like the look like they're all glowing mm-hmm. whoever did the lighting like fantastic like simone ashley looks gorgeous that library scene and where it's like half cast in darkness, like and you know, like Simone Ashley's like a darker skinned woman and Jonathan Bailey's like a pasty British dude, and like they're both lit beautifully in the mm-hmm. same scene. So props to the light department. And makeup and and makeup a- and hair. Yeah. I will say though, there were some um artistic camera choices that <laughs> I don't know if I would have done personally. Um I don't know if that was like a DP's idea or the director's idea but I was like this is a this is like I'm all for cheesy. I'm watching a regency romance based off a romance book Set to the sounds of the vitamin string quartet, yes, but like the some of those camera angles and like panning and slow mo was like one step too far. I I did burst out laughing in some of those scenes.
1: At least those scenes you set you laughing instead of the sex scenes, like in season one where I was laughing. So that's a different, yeah.
2: Yeah, who knew the guy who you know banged that girl against a tree could actually you know have skills.
0: did some weird like Anthony from like the season one Anthony, like is nothing very mm-hmm. much like book Anthony, like book and season two Anthony is basically book Anthony. So, I, I, I don't know if that was a conscious decision to like rakeify him and then like give him his redemption arc in season two, or maybe they weren't even thinking that far ahead. But, um, yeah, we 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 like what they did in season two Anthony, and then you know, the I also thought they that the relationship between you know, getting to explore that relationship and really seeing, like, him deal with his father's death and, like, the mom just, like, losing her shit was also very effective. Like, it gave me a lot of sympathy for him even if he was an asshole in previous yeah. parts.
1: Yeah, I think they did a really good job. We will get to all the things they didn't do well, but a really good job this season of actually making me feel like the Bridgertons were actually related to each other and sharing an actual bond, whether it is... Like the traumatic loss of the husband slash father or even like the youngest son not knowing his dad very well and not remembering the youngest daughter literally never had a a dad there like present. Um, She was she was born after he was dead. So it's like there is a lot of things that they actually set up like we knew this from the books, but I didn't feel like season one ever gave me any sort of feeling between the Bridgertons except for the time Eloise and Benedict were like on the swing and smoking. Like, like, I literally don't remember anything about season one and them actually being good siblings or it was all of them like running around and I don't know. So this one, I think, worked a lot better. I like the mom better this time. Violet, like they
2: gave her a real something to do. Yeah. Much less Mrs. Bennett energy, right?
1: Exactly. Like the Bennett, the Bennett, Miss Bennett energy of just trying to get like everyone married off. She still had a tiny bit of that with um, Anthony. But at least she was still you know this is very classic to um proper to the book, but you know she still emphasizes, yes, we can make a good marriage, but I want it to be for love, and they explain it so well because she had that overwhelming love in her own life, so it's something in the book that is kind of very glib and said to the point where I kind of didn't feel it, but here I did, so um
2: yeah, yeah I thought it was good. so if I understood your earlier comments correctly. In the book, there wasn't actually like a, a wedding scene where they got broken up, or was that still there?
0: No, they deviate pretty far right after the bee sting. The bee sting is kind of where it splits. In the book, there is no proposal to Edwina.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, they get compromised, so they have to get married right away. There's no like scandal. Oh. Um, and and there and then they kind of get back. Like Kate does get hurt pretty badly, but under a different circumstance, and that kind of like brings everyone back together.
2: That's interesting. Because like, yeah, having not read the book, I thought I thought the progression of that romance was really, really well done. And the fact that the climax, the, the wedding scene climax was episode like six. Yeah. Was really surprising to me. Like, I, I th-
1: Yeah, I was fascinated because having read the book, I was just like, wait, they can't actually get married. He proposed because right. I was the like, Right, the moment where happen.
2: Daphne tells him to follow his heart and he goes and proposes to Edwina. What yeah. did you feel about Don't that? Dumbass Anthony.
1: That's <laughs> not what we meant. Well, I also was just like, how many episodes do we have left? Because I just kept checking. I was like, is there? did I not get all the screeners? Because I watched this in advance. I was like, are there 10 episodes and not eight? Because I was like, how are they having a wedding? They're not even supposed to get to a wedding with Edwina. So it did fascinate me. But I think what I liked about that choice was so in the book, like you said, we it never even got that far, and she had a she liked another guy anyway. So there's like zero tension, and that's why the the things that kept them apart, um, which literally was not physically apart, just this weird hang up of because I'm gonna die sort of thing. Yeah, it, it, Edwina's kind of like a dumbass in the book. Yeah, <laughs> and, and so it felt not only just super manufactured and really like no stakes, and so that's why you want to slap them all, but Edwina. Is a non entity, basically. She's very sweet and she, you know, and that, and she likes another guy. Um, but at the same time, you know, reading that book, they were doing wrong by her still at the beginning when he, you know, when he was initially courting her. And since, you know, Julia Quinn didn't make it so that she felt hurt, which I didn't think that was accurate. And so here they really play it out. And so how wrong they are to have put her in the middle, I was really very pleased. By the Edwina storyline, the further it went along. Because at first, I was like, "This is weird," you know. But then, the more and more, like, she actually got like I felt like she was very hurt. You know, that actress is very good. So, um, and and by the time like she actually makes her final decision, uh, I was fascinated. So I would like to see a spinoff with her. With the- oh, her and
2: the prince. Yeah, yeah, with the
1: prince. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> we can see that for like I don't know. It'll
2: be one of the many side stories in season three, which. Brings us to, I guess, the biggest complaint I've heard from people, which is too many side stories in this romance. And I'd like to hear what you guys thought about the many, many, many um, non-Kate and Anthony storylines in this season.
0: So I think part of it is that Jonathan Bailey and Simone Ashley are so electric that you just want to stay with them most of the time or if not all of the time, I would admit to that, like, I skipped some parts because I was like, I need to get back to the Kane Anthony story. (laughs) Um, Especially when they started deviating. I was like, where is this going? They are just so electric and they have such... And, you know, I think the people who gravitate towards something like Bridgerton, like, we are here majority for the horny content (laughs) and the love content and the romance content. But I also acknowledge one storyline a TV show does not make. That would be a movie. And, you know, I think there also could have been a world where Bridgerton was just a series of movies on Netflix focusing on each family. But, like, yeah, like, they realized, you know, they got, they got up to season six renewed already, or season four at least. I think season four at least. So they need to start plotting everything for the next three seasons. So I understand that. There are some really interesting, fun side characters I liked. I actually, I love Penelope because I, Love Nicola Coughlin, the actress mm-hmm. who plays her. Super talented. I think anyone else, a lesser actor, would like make like Penelope. What they've done to her is like pretty insane. Like she's kind of a terrible person who has like ruined multiple people's
2: mm-hmm. lives. I did love that her they made her like so she goes in disguise to get her gossip column <laughs> printed, and her disguise is her natural her accent. natural
0: Irish <laughs> accent, which Hilarious. I love too. It's so funny. Um, I think she's great, and I really like her story, but um, but I'm so so mad because her story and the whole, like, lady whistle whistle-down down thing was tied in with Eloise, <laughs> and I, I hate like? Eloise, and I don't understand, like, why she drives me up the wall. You didn't like, like
2: her story where she goes slumming with the revolutionaries?
0: Absolutely not. I think... So I, I, I'm I trying to understand. I think part of it is like, I know that the actress is like 35 and that kind of creeps me out. Mm-hmm. I know they're all older, but like- Isn't Penelope know, something about also her 35? Like in her early 30s or late 20s or something like yeah. that. Yeah. But but like, I don't know. There's something about like, because Eloise is supposed to be a little like, flustered and like hopeless mm-hmm. with the social <laughs> grace part. And like, that's so annoying. I'm like, girl, you from a rich ass privileged family? your life's like yeah it sucks that you know women gotta go through this I feel you like stop squirming and like put your big girl panties on and do what you gotta do like do what you gotta do like you're so it's, I think it's like she's so privileged and she wants to act like her life the character wants to act like her life is like the worst and there's like you like literally, like at least you have money in a loving family who would probably support you even if you chose not to get married like I don't understand like where her stakes are, because I truly believe if she chose not to get married, Anthony, as head of the household, would just be like, that's fine. Just be the you're my sister. I'm going to take care of you for the rest of my life.
1: I, I <laughs> see. I don't necessarily know if I believe she has that freedom. But what I do agree with is I just want her to act decisively, whatever it is, because I think when she's being, being sort of this petulant child Going yes. to the ball, but then being like a snot about it and about the dancing yes. and whatever. I think that's actually immature. I know she's supposed to be what seventeen, um, but at the same time, I'm just like, if you're going to rebel, don't go to the fucking ball. Um, that yeah, she's so squirmy, yeah.
0: right? I, like she's yeah. just like, oh, I don't, I'm like, I'm like, girl, put on the dress and like act like a normal human being, or like don't, or just don't go. Yeah, right. right. I,
2: I, I will say, I was excited when she started going to those like. It's not even, rallies. like, communist. Like, Karl Marx right now is, like, still a baby, right? At, during the time of this yeah. this, this <laughs> yes. series. Um, but the fact that she was going to places where they were talking about labor rights, women's rights, and kind of mm-hmm. that, the idea that maybe she would decide to, like, even cut ties and just go, which, you know, isn't the this show. But, like, that was, like, I think for me as someone who... Like the hyper focus on like the landed gentry, right? Kind of squicks me out a little bit, like because they don't talk Mm -hmm. about things like where does all their wealth come from, right? Um, I mean, Mm -hmm. this is a show that takes place in like a fictional Great Britain where apparently the exercise of British imperialism succeeded in exporting British culture around the world. You have all these members of the British Empire all successfully assimilating, right? And we don't—they don't talk about what happened to cause that they alluded to like oh they've won some revolution or something but like the fact that like british culture has become like the accepted culture for all these different diverse people is fun to see on screen but kind of horrifying to think about in practice right like what what makes it lead up to that um and so the fact that they were maybe addressing like the class issues was exciting until the part where they kind of just bail out yeah yeah
1: Yeah, uh, because the revolutionary that Eloise is seeing, he brings it up, you know, like you're basically like being a class tourist, you know, (laughs) like Uh just testing it out, which honestly she is. Um, Yeah, I just it. This is the sort of incomplete problem of Bridgerton, which is, you know, if you're going to do inclusive casting, then you either just do it because that's like who the actor, you know, fit the part. Right. Um, and so you don't either don't address it, which is sometimes weird, but if you're not gonna stick with it, stick with it. But they did address a little bit of it, like they folded into the universe saying like the king fell in love with a woman of color, and that's why he decided to change all of the these like rules and 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 start bequeathing money on people of color, and that's why you get certain who were certain ones who are in the nobility now. Um, but it doesn't explain all the other people, right? So it's 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 an incomplete problem, and it's one that is purely Bridgerton. That yeah, yeah. so it's it, it it can be a little weird and messy at times when when things are not addressed.
2: And I don't have as big a problem with Eloise as Jess does. Yeah, I did actually like like her budding romance with the revolutionary printer boy yeah i just yeah but the fact that she built so easily was i a little just think
0: she's i just think she's like dumb and i think it's like <laughs> my pet peeve with like just anyone in like in life and therefore i don't like spending like time with them or even if they're fictional like like she's delusional she's delusional if she thinks that you know she could do all this stuff in gallivant without any you know like You know the rules. They suck, but you know the rules. And, like, yeah, what did you think was gonna happen? And then at the same time, again, she comes from such a privileged place, not just Mm -hmm. from money, but also, like, she is considered beautiful and Mm -hmm. desirable, and Mm -hmm. she could probably make a fine enough match. And she's just like, I hate all of this. And then she's saying this to her friend, Penelope, Mm -hmm. who is hard on money. Her family's hard on money, not considered attractive. And is also like mo- pretty like openly mocked amongst like the suitors of mm-hmm. like Woodcourt Penelope Featherton. Are you blind? Mm-hmm. Um, Which is like really hurtful. Like and mm-hmm. and like so it's just like pen- like like you have what so many women want because like in this world and, you know, I think it's this fantasy. But like they also try to dress like in this world, this is the only way a woman can find a sense of. Stability and safety, mm-hmm. and you're like scoffing at the people who can't get it, and then like also being a dumbass about
1: like the realities of it. So I'm just like, you're a fucking, you're a fucking idiot, you're a fucking idiot. And stop squirming. Yeah, the oh amount, God. the amount of privilege, and also just hurt that she inflicts upon her friend is is horrible. And so, I guess that's that's the other plot that is kind of. Probably divisive. This season is, yeah. Since we, like she pisses yeah. off the queen, right?
0: Like she yeah. pissed, like you, you got your nose stuck in the ball. You you pissed off the queen, and now she thinks you're gonna you're like Lady Whistledown. Mm-hmm. She wants to like ruin your family. Like you're fucking it up for a lot of people, my girl. Yeah, <laughs> please it,
1: stop. Yeah, and with the revelation in the you know end of season one that Penelope is Lady Whistledown, that is a plot line we did not get in the books. Um, because we only found out who it was when it Penelope's book happened. Um, and so for them to create all of the storyline, they are now manufacturing this melodrama. And so that's why they have the rift with the friends
2: and I all did that en- stuff. I did enjoy the uh, little spy drama of Penelope building her uh, intelligence oh, network.
1: Yeah. With the modistes, <laughs> uh Madame Delacroix. Yeah. Um, no, so that's the thing about Penelope like she, she's you know
0: she's ruined a lot of people's lives but like <laughs> she's really good at what yeah. she does and she like makes shit happen even yeah. in light of everything like she's smart she's cunning
1: she's making it happen and I respect that yeah, yeah we're talking about privileged people who can help themselves Um, she is she's not as privileged as her friend Eloise and yet look at all that she's done
2: I enjoy yeah. Penelope I didn't like so as we're talking about the other like the side stories, I feel like there was just too much time dedicated to her her scam family, which I just I didn't <gasps> enjoy because I feel like it's just a repeat of last. I kind of right? like the scam bomb. family,
0: um, which is again it's just so funny because I feel like it's like opposite. Like you're fine with El, always like. I really found cousin Jack kind of hilarious. Uh huh. Like this random dude, and then when like they start, you know, he starts fucking the ma- Mama Featherton. I was like, yeah.
1: I this is great. This is like a soap opera. When he this started, what like yeah, when he started getting interested in, it, I was like, oh, can you please do? This? I was like, you
0: really going there? It's like, oh, she fucking her like daughter's fiance, and then I'm like, oh, he's a scammer. I'm like, ooh, <laughs> yeah. yes.
1: But, you know, I, I also like how it ultimately she still had the upper hand, like she like the mom made it happen, like made certain things happen. And she also got off kind of scot-free. So uh, I think they did great by the moms this season, honestly. Uh, so that was uh, maybe there was too much about the deals. I kind of didn't really care about all the deals, but um, I did like the interactions. I thought that was interesting. Um <laughs> Let's see, how many more plots can we do?
2: I mean, so what? So (laughs) I guess, like you mentioned, a lot of the side plots are setting up future seasons, right? We have, Mm -hmm. um, I guess, the two storylines that they most set up was future Colin and future Eloise storylines, even though the next season is going to be Benedict's season, supposedly, right?
1: Yeah, if they go according to the order of the books, Benedict's uh, story is next. And it kind of makes sense because if we saw... Anthony having sex against the tree in season one and then he has to get reformed and get married in season two. This is why we got so much of uh, Benedict having wild naked sex in this season, maybe to make up for the lack of uh, or the slow burn, you know, of the main plot line. So, yeah, then it should be his redemption next season. Mm. Um, My thing is. I guess they're making it clear Benedict's not going to be gay or even by. Like the first season, we we're all kind of like intrigued, you well, know? Because they
2: were make he was, it was, it got pretty horny with the other art dude, right? In the first he, season. Yeah. He was, he
1: was hanging on with artists. They were having bacchanals. He was opening his mind up to a whole different type of world. So this season, though, it's all like, we are making sure you understand that Benedict is straight, straight, straight. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. So, lame. Th-
2: from this point onward, it's gonna be Bridgerton's speculation corner. Okay. Yeah. Um, yes. so I know from osmosis from talking to you two and also talking to my my girlfriend that Benedict's story is a kind of a rich boy, poor girl type of like it's Cinderella, Cinderella story. Right. It's literally um, Cinderella. Which I feel like for the character they set up is not exciting. Because I feel like the real story I want to see from Benedict is to enter this like really like I want the Ben Franklin story, right? I want to see him be <laughs> Ben Franklin, like this like just this genius artist guy who just fucks.
1: Yeah, and, you know, they'll have a montage at the beginning, I'm sure, where he's fucking a lot just before he figures out that, like, he needs more in life. But, uh, yeah, I I think the whole Cinderella storyline, like, has always irked me, even as a kid. And, of course, so, you know, in the book, what happens is that the person he's interested in, he meets at a ball, uh, doesn't recognize because I think it's a masked ball, and then she leaves something behind, I think it's a glove. So it's literally... <laughs> And then she also has like a stepmother and they make her work. So mm. literally Cinderella. And at some point, you know, he loses track of her. And she actually does end up having to go work for someone else as a maid. And you are not protected when you are in lower class woman. Like you, are, you basically have to barricade your door because you are part of the, you know, you're seen as accessible. Um, part of the property. We pay you, so, you know, they gotta fuck you. And so, it's it's a really pretty big storyline when it comes to talking about class and 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 that stuff. Of course, she is technically by birth a genteel lady. So, that's, I <laughs> guess, what makes yeah, it... Yeah, okay. can't blur the class lines too much. Yeah. So, I am curious what they will do if they decide to stick with some sort of different class yeah. thing. Um <clears throat> If, since they're not going to make them gay. Uh,
2: so. I mean, yeah. Sad. I don't know. I feel like Shondaland has the capacity to address those storylines, whether or not they'll like... Yeah, but Netflix is
0: international and, they're, <laughs> and if they're going to give you several million dollars mm, to make a this period piece, they want to play it everywhere, okay? Yeah.
1: <laughs> so that, yeah, I, I personally agree there. Oh. It's the, So the class thing is what we're probably going to get, but right. I'm just curious about what... It will be. So anyway, that's Ben and other
2: threads. Um, yeah. so I guess season four technically would probably be Colin's, which I guess Colin and Penelope are supposed to be endgame, but I hate Colin, so I don't know about <laughs> right? it.
0: I hate Colin here as well. Yes. Um, don't really know like it's it's a lot of the book, a lot of it is Colin's not developed very well either, because honestly, like it's more Penelope's book, which kind of tells you how boring Colin is that he couldn't even be the star of his own book Yep, and you really learn to love Colin through Penelope's eyes like the only reason you love Colin is because Penelope loves him and we love Penelope especially because you know by that point she's a little older she has a lot more freedom and she's figured out her color scheme like her mom doesn't order her dresses for her anymore which is like really funny and there is that like very like we all love like that she's hot now like fuck you you fucked up storyline yeah. But yeah, Colin's so boring.
1: Yeah, I I'm trying to even remember cuz like everyone has their traumas, right? In the book, uh like with Kate, it she was afraid of like
2: storms. <laughs> so I mean, Colin's trauma apparently is he couldn't end up with Marina. And that's well, apparently is no, Well, no, 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 right?
1: no, no, not in the book not in the book uh, i think he's like the... too happy I think it's but so colin
2: so Show colin is Show colin i'm not, is not interesting enough in for we, marina we will i must t- go and we will talk
1: well we'll talk about marina in a second but yeah literally in the book i think part of his issue is that he's too happy for some reason which also makes him very not interesting to me um i think there was something behind that but uh <laughs> yeah so i really hope they give him something else here uh they made him a world traveler, but then a boring world traveler. I mean,
2: uh, as all, you know, as all uh, white tourists, like, as all like tourists of that era are, right? All the. Oh my
0: God. Like, they couldn't like green screen him in front
1: of like the Parthenon or something. Like, give us a little something. <laughs> Look, have him. Here's the thing on his travels, let him have a lot of sex. Maybe with. Other men. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not trying to make all the Bridgertons make gay. Make it gay. Yeah. Make it gay. But come on. Gay. Come on. Anyway. Uh. So yeah. If if they go in order, that should be next. Which again, I don't know what they're gonna do there because if they're playing up this whole whistle down thing, it looks like they're setting it up for him to be angrier at Penelope than even Eloise is. Mm. So they're going to have to get over the uh, feelings of betrayal.
2: That's true. They um, also spend a lot of time setting up Eloise, who supposedly is the fifth fifth book, but I can see like I can see them combining maybe books in the season later. I on, I
1: hope they do, man. Like especially because I do think the earlier books are weirdly enough stronger. stronger. Yeah. yeah. And then you start like I don't re- even remember the names or the circumstances of some of the later people
0: that they I met. didn't even I stopped after number four. I was like, I'm halfway through. The quality has like dropped so significantly. I'm out. It's yeah, it, it gets
1: really bad. Um
2: but then correct me if I'm wrong, but her end game is yes. Marina's current husband. Yes, yeah, who so becomes a widower, right? Here's Spoilers. the dif-
1: Yes, here's the difference. In the books. Marina is actually the cousin of the Bridgertons, not the Featheringtons. Mm -hmm. So she actually knew Marina back when they were kids. And she always remembered Marina being kind of like off to herself and sad. So they set it up for basically her having depression and suicide. Um, We don't want this for Marina, who we have met and has been (laughs) wronged. So I am really don't know what will happen here i don't yeah, want lots of color. yikes
2: potential in that yeah story, that storyline
1: right I, exactly and also the dude she's married philip crane seems like another boring white dude on the show um not to say that we need to keep doing the white and you know person of color but if that's the only way we can get them in as a main character because all the bridgertons are white um and then of course penelope yeah. and colin are both white so it's kind of like Honestly, I'd still rather see that than just with this Philip Crane dude. He's he's boring. It's also like at this point, if they're going to go that route, like we know
0: Penelope and Colin are gonna get together essentially yeah Yeah, we know that so we know them. so there's there's no energy there's no new energy i think i think some of the most exciting thing is like okay we're bringing in the sharma sisters and they're gonna like shake shit up Mm -hmm. or like the duke's back and like that's a new player and Mm -hmm. that's what's different like that's the inciting incident so we're talking if we're if the pool is getting smaller and we're already knowing some of these folks that means like down the line we're not gonna get these like new characters that are going to shake things up right and i i do think that like some of those actors have been the best like yeah they've been the best parts of their seasons right like jean rege jean pot
2: and um and yeah i guess comparing like the potential benedict rich boy poor girl storyline and the potential eloise rich girl poor boy storyline i would much rather explore the rich girl poor boy storyline right yeah it's different because the power, of the, is the the power differential,
0: differential. Yeah. because because and, and in this world, the rich, well, like the poor girl, nets out, <laughs> and she's fine. If it's the other way, then then you're just worried for the woman because you're like, okay, you married down, like homie, you're gonna be okay
1: yeah it's gonna they're gonna have to be doing some finessing yeah
0: marriage is very economic it's very economical Marvin. Mm-hmm. it's about economy okay and like it, a happy story that's why it's always rich dude poor woman because life's already so unfair to the woman mm-hmm. she deserves a decent wealthy man who can provide love and stability okay mm-hmm. when it's like i love you but we're gonna be poor it's like oh that's sad yeah now we sad
1: yeah, uh so all I know is I really hope that since they've already given Eloise a second love interest even if it's temporary that they really diverge from the books cuz I I don't care if she's gay, I don't care whatever, just just not with this guy. This <laughs> Philip Crane like bore. Uh anyway. What if
2: it's a love triangle and she has to choose between the rich boy and the poor boy that stirs her mind?
1: It, I I foresee tragedy like first of all I hate the love triangles I hate I them hate so much I'm on record of saying that uh yeah I I really don't know in that so in that regard I'm kind of excited to see what happens but then I also feel like I'm being set up for disappointment <laughs>
0: I'm too practical and I'm always just like I don't care how much you fucking love him you want to be a fucking chambermaid Eloise you think you survive with your <laughs> privileged little hands just have
1: an affair just like all yeah. the ladies do. Oh,
0: my God. Come on. Like, I watch Titanic now. And I'm like, Rose, you're a fucking idiot. What were you going to do with this poor man? No plan. Yeah, Cal sucks. But <laughs> you you like give him a kid and like you probably don't want to see him ever. Yeah. It's not the worst. Just, Come on, you would have
2: been one of those practical wives. Like
0: marriage is, is very different when you're a woman, Marvin. Okay, <laughs> especially in Regency times. You know, to this day, marriage is still you know it's it's a very dangerous thing for a woman to enter into a marriage that is ill suited to her, yeah, uh, economically and socially. So, uh, yeah, that's what happens when we live in a patriarchy. <laughs> yeah,
1: if I lived during those times, I would want to a marriage some marry someone who could be stable. Financially, and then be no drunks and, and then be not abusive. Basically, that would be my minimum. Yeah, requirement. I don't have to love him. I he just no. has to like not beat me and like have a decent income. Yeah, I'm down and leave me alone. Do my I can do my own thing. Um, that yeah. would be the you know formula for happiness, I think. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, so
0: so Eloise being the fucking idiot that she is, she be like, um, oh, yeah, I'm gonna marry this poor dude and
1: then like call some shit and like everyone has to bail her out. Yeah, I mean, the other thing is, of course, like. We, we sh- they want the pure ideal for these characters because uh, so they want the love too. And so that's where things get messy. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
0: it's right. a fantasy, right? Yeah. yeah.
2: All right. So uh, last question for y'all. Bridgerton, season two, still good pop?
0: Hell yes. Yearning. Let's bring back the romance. I don't think people, like, People don't know what romance is anymore. Like, like, give me, give me more romance. Give me more, like, uh, yearning. Give me slow
1: burn. Give me feral smelling. <laughs> like, we want more of that. They zoomed in on hands that were not touching. It was so great. <laughs> yeah. I
0: think there's a reason why there's been an uptake in, like, romance novels. Mm-hmm. Because we don't get that from visual media anymore. Like, TV shows and movies don't feel that need anymore. Mm-hmm. Because... There's that overall trend of, you know, the stupid four quadrant thing and mm-hmm. how co- corporations like these big studio corporations that make these big ass movies are always going to lean male because, yeah. you know, the ad, the thinking is that women will go see men's movies and oh, but men won't go see women's movies and air quotes, of course, and then they'll have a women's movie and then hire like all t- stupid men Mm -hmm. to like direct write, and like cut and like cast like people none of us like like cast like a chris pratt or something we're like that's not who we want Mm
2: -hmm. which is we want andrew garfield which is kind of wild because if you think about it if you're going to date and you want you know if you want to get your lady in the mood you should take her to like a good sexy movie right
0: they don't make good sexy movies anymore, Marvin. They make stupid movies and they cast Ryan Reynolds as the romantic lead because Ryan Reynolds is the no- ideal man from a male gaze. Yeah, I, I think. And no one, no woman I know gets <laughs> horny from Ryan Reynolds.
1: Yeah, I think that's the is sort of the crux of the debate. Also, when it comes to sex versus sexy um, and where the romance comes from, because. In, in part, I understand why, let's say, certain book people were unhappy with this season because uh, since everyone gets compromised so early and have to get married, their first sex is usually with them being married. And so that's why there's this sort of celebratory, I'm married sex in these books, which people are like, see, that's just sort of like a testament to marriage. And I'm like, no, that's a testament to being in the honeymoon phase. So I kind of still understand where they're coming from. So we got like the fast forward to a mar- marital bliss. But I'm also still fine with that. Like I got all that I needed from this. And uh, with the slow burn and the one sex scene that was done much better. Much sexier.
0: Yeah. And and come on, like the lead up in the gazebo where he's like, you need to leave. Like com- <laughs>
1: the,
0: I re- hottest <laughs> shit I have seen in a long ass time. I
1: rewound that. Just to see him try to leave, but then have like put his hand on his mouth and it's like, I, and then try to leave again. And I was just like, oh,
0: he's doing there are, there are, so, good. so good. There are horny people uh, making like merch where it's just like her thumb in his mouth.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, that's
0: hot. It's hot. Thumbs in mouth, hot.
2: Yeah. I definitely feel like Bridgerton season two better pop than season one for sure. Um, I am a fan no of no
1: weird the... rape scene. It's so, <laughs> it is so popping.
2: Yeah. I mean, I would take simmering horniness over just like constant bad sex scenes any yeah. day. You were, were talking were about the you were talking about the almost touching. <laughs> there was multiple scenes of almost mm-hmm. face touching too, right? So much almost nose touching.
1: Yeah, I, I I I really would love to have like been able to interview them to be like, so how many times did you decide? Like, did you have the conversation about how close you can get? without, you know, breaking or smelling or, you know, whatever, because it seemed like they were super comfortable.
2: I mean, it. I guess they follow the rules because no actual contact was made, but they were fucking So much eye-fucking, <laughs> yeah. so much
0: eye-fucking. Everyone's like, Adwina, you dumb bitch. He- how, like, everyone, like, how are you guys all dumb? Like, apparently only Daphne could, Daphne and, like, Lady
1: Danbury are the only ones can see the... The eye six happening. Yeah. I, it, it was hilarious because like for a while it was only Daphne who saw it, which I was like, Oh, because you're a recently married woman who knows what that's like. Um, but then you know, even later when she's like, have I been this blind? I'm like, yes, <laughs> yeah, girl. Yes. A hundred percent.
0: They've been eye fucking from like day one. That's
1: hilarious. It was, it was so good. They did a great job also, even, even though it was not the physical things, but they gave Anthony some pretty good lines. Um, where he really is just like i just do filthy things to you in my dreams basically <laughs> um and
0: oh the 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 one that's going the you are the bane of my existence <sighs> and the object
1: of all my desires yeah. oh finally finally some good lines from bridgerton you know yeah
2: that's anyway. what the first season was missing right it was missing that like like not just the confession scene but like a super like horny Charles confession he, scene
1: he unlocked his poet basically <laughs> she brought it out of him she is his muse he couldn't didn't understand poetry until he met her
0: it's good that it was good and that love the 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 scene at the end very sweet very when they finally confess their love for each other very well deserved very well earned mm-hmm. beautiful speech
1: yeah just
0: swoon it was good
1: swoon Hi. she's
0: like staring off into the distance it's just like <laughs> There's like a TikTok where you like just play Doja Cat and like you think of something like sexy because you're like just th- daydreaming. <laughs> yeah, that's happening right now. Good times. All
2: right. Well, that'll do it for our discussion of Bridgerton season two, the saga of Anthony. Um, Jess, hon, if people want to hear more of your horny thoughts, where can they go?
1: <laughs> Trash horny takes are on Twitter at justju tweets. Uh, and any retweets of mine will probably be the horniness. So uh, I'm at Anonymous.
2: You can find me at Marvin. Yeh. You can find our show at Good Pop Club. We are a proud member of the Potlook Podcast Collective, a collective of Asian American hosted podcasts. Um, check out our fellow Potlook pods by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. And yeah, thanks for joining us um, on our extra horny edition of the Good Pop Culture Club. We'll be back next week for episode 100 where we'll be probably talking about everything ever all at once, uh, which is a pretty, pretty good episode 100, if I say so myself. Um, I think it encompasses
1: a lot (laughs) from its title and from the concept of the movie. So, yes, it's a perfect 100, I believe.
2: All right. See you all next week. Bye, everyone.
1: Bye. Bye.